Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to GLE. Today's episode is my first conversation with an individual who really seems to have a lot of the same vision and goals that are very aligned with what we're trying to do here at the GLE movement. This individual has begun his own CLS movement, Cultivating Lasting Symphony, which I'm super excited to learn more about today. And ironically, those are his initials, which is probably not a coincidence. (laughs) Looking forward to my conversation today with Craig Landon Siegel. Craig, welcome to GLE, my friend. Thank you so much, Phil. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited. And I could just tell by what you said earlier, we have a lot of the same interests. We're definitely going to manufacture magic right now. Let's do it, brother. So for those that don't know you, including me, tell me your story. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how Craig Siegel came to where he is today starting this movement. In a nutshell, after college, I think like most people, or some people I should say, I was a little bit lost in the wilderness with no compass. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I ended up on Wall Street, where I essentially became a grown man. That's where I started studying mindset techniques, NLP, and I started to really shape this Craig 2.0 persona, where I was able to learn tools such as modeling, anchoring, and really build up my self-confidence. And I had a ton of success on Wall Street, Phil, from a financial standpoint, make my family proud, all that, you know, I was bringing manufacturing wealth and so forth, but... I found myself unfulfilled because I was dealing with a ton of stress. As you know, and as the audience knows, when it comes to the stock market, and you can assume with Wall Street, it's very unpredictable. There's a lot of stuff that are are not in your control. And as a result, it brings on a ton of access stress. And I was pretty much strung out. And I was getting a little burnt out. And I started to not love it anymore, for lack of better words. And so I made the decision from there to pivot. And I went to a whole new industry and I started up a second business that I grew to eight figures in a couple of years time. And what we did was we provided working capital for businesses all across the country. And although a lot less stressful and very lucrative, be straight up with you, I never sugarcoat anything. I wasn't waking up on fire for that. And I had all this built up energy and I wasn't doing a backflip out of bed, you know, to do this this new business. And I still have the business to this day. I just wasn't in love with it. And so I used up all this excess energy that I had and I started running. I'd always like to lift weights and take care of myself, but I was never a runner. And I I found it humbling the first time I tried to run a mile and I had trouble doing it without stopping. And I channeled all this energy and I ran four marathons the very next year, topping out at 339 last November in Philly. Yeah. So I got really into it. I knew I wasn't going to become a professional runner. That's not what I wanted to do. It was more of an outlet for me, Phil. And then, which brings me to where we are today. When the pandemic happened, 
it was, and this is going to sound spiritual, but I think you'll appreciate it of all people. It was the first time in about 10 years, I really had just a moment to just reset and just take a, a second and, and speak to God and like kind of get my stars aligned. And of course, I always love to inspire and motivate people. People would always come to me to get elevated and, you know, get some positive energy from me. And I always had a, an unparalleled ability to communicate that, but I never thought anything of it. And then when the pandemic happened and the stars aligned for me, it was like, of course, I found the thing I love. I'm going to make this my life. And so I went all in. I burned the ships, even though I still have my business, which was this, a steady, stable, you know, I built it into a juggernaut, wasn't lighting my fire. I went all in with this CLS, Cultivate Lasting Symphony. Because for me, what that stands for is about cultivating that edge in life that gets people on fire forever. And it's a play on my initials, Craig Landon Siegel. And <laughs> I like I started, it, man. It's clever. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. And I started putting out content and I launched a program called the Moonshot Masterpiece Experience. And, you know, you never really know what you're going to get into when you launch your first program, you're trying to get your first client. You always hear these things about how so many people fail and whatnot. I sold out the very first day, Phil. It was very humbling. I was very grateful. I couldn't believe it. I launched another program a month later, sold out the first day. I just couldn't believe that the audience was gravitating towards me that the way they have been and that my message was really resonating. And I think I've, I've done my homework on you because for me, you know, preparation breeds confidence. I think I heard you say something like this and it really stuck out to me because I'm the same way. I never wanted to be some guy standing next to a Lamborghini or a private jet with a Rolex on. I wanted to come across as relatable where the audience can say, I can get something from that guy. He's touching my soul. He makes sense to me. And fortunately, the audience has gravitated and we continue to grow at a rapid pace. And that's what brought you and I here today together. That's awesome, Craig. Awesome story, man. So being in that high stress environment, starting out in, you know, in the stock market and um, investment banking or, or whatever it was, you know, what, what was that like? What are, what are some of these mindset techniques you got introduced to for those, for the, I know you're huge on mindset and, and this is something that really resonates with me and is all about what, what we're trying to do at GLE. So let's talk mindset for a minute and, sure. uh, you know, how did you deal with that stress then? And what have you learned now from a mindset perspective to help you maybe deal with some of the stresses in life and, and things you're sharing with people that are being mentored by you? Great question, Phil. So when I started starting all these mindset tweaks and technology and hacks, you know, when I first got to Wall Street, I didn't have a ton of confidence. I was more of an introvert. And it was about that time when I started studying modeling and anchoring, which I teach in my program, the Moonshot Masterpiece Experience. It's very effective. So essentially modeling is finding someone that you hold in high regard, someone that you respect, and you start to use some of their attributes. But you don't just look at them as like a role model. You actually embody the way that they talk, the way they walk, their quality of thoughts. And this is going to sound kind of funny to the audience. And, you know, people usually laugh, but it worked for me. When I got to Wall Street, I was in a room of 200 veteran, you know, brokers. And it was a little intimidating. And I started modeling and really on a deep level embodying James Bond. Because to me, that guy exudes confidence, right? That guy's not going to get dejected by hearing the word no on the phone. That guy's going to have a swagger. And my results started to skyrocket immediately. People are like, who's this rookie? And I climbed and I became the top producer in a pretty short amount of time in a room full of 200 you know, veterans. Also anchoring, being able to, look, we all have our moments where we wake up and we're not in the best state, right? We, we, 
from an elevated state, you could do things, you see solutions. From a lowered state, you see problems. So I studied anchoring, which essentially allows me to anchor or locate a great state from the past, how I felt at that moment, all the feels being elevated and bring it to the present and future and then step right into it. So if you're ever having a bad day, you immediately anchor a great state that you have in your repertoire and immediately your state will be elevated. And like I said earlier, from an elevated state, you could just, you can accomplish anything, so to speak. It gives you that confidence. And this is what I teach my clients to this day. So these are two big steps in the beginning of our journey because now you have superpowers going to war every day. You have modeling and anchoring. You're always going to have a little bit of an advantage because you have these at your disposal. I love that. Absolutely love that. I made a video. Well, actually, it was one of my first videos. This year, I started putting out content for the first time. I was challenged by one of my mentors, um, Tony Watley from 365 Driven. I don't know if you know Tony, but if you don't, definitely need to hook you up with Tony. But um, you know, from a modeling perspective, faking it till you make it is a phrase that you know doesn't resonate well with people. People don't like fake people. And for me, I've always interpreted kind of how you're saying it, you know, faking it till you make it is embodying and being that person today, even though you don't feel like that person, you got doubts in your mind. You don't know if you're that person or not, but Hey, I know, I know the type of person I want to be. Why don't I just pretend to be that person today? And then eventually I'm going to become that person. You know, how long do you have to be in wall street or a business owner or a baseball player before, you know, you become what you're doing. And it's, you know, it's really about doing it. You got to, you got to take that action to be that person. I couldn't agree more. And look, you and me could talk about this for hours because it's so true. And I always say, I don't like the expression, fake it till you make it, but modeling is on a much deeper level. You're not pretending to be someone that you're not. And then like go to, go to bed with that identity. And then you're not authentic. Right. I'm, I'm still, I'm still Craig. You're still Phil. Right. But if you can get attributes from people who have done great things in things that you're trying to be great in, the joke's on you if you don't pull something from them because the world is your oyster. You have the ability. I mean, look, you're a baseball player. I'm sure you had role models that you like to emulate or people that did things that you found to be, you know, that you really liked and felt comfortable with that brought you to a higher level. That's what the world is all about. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily faking it because when I was doing the James Bond modeling, it helped raise my confidence to a level that I had never had before because I wasn't, Craig, I wasn't insecure of of someone saying no to me on the phone. I was James Bond. I didn't let the little things bother me. And now to this day, although I'm Craig 2.0, so to speak, I still carried a lot of those attributes that I grabbed from James Bonds in the world. And they kind of shaped me. So I agree with you 100% what you're saying. Man, I love that. I like the James Bond. Who's your favorite Bond? I would say the most recent, Daniel Craig. Uh, I like the new, the new Bond movies. The Daniel Craig movies are very different than the old ones, and, and I like them too. They're, they're gritty, yeah. much grittier. Yeah, and there's a lot more emotion. You know, Daniel, it, he seems to have a lot more of those softer side emotions that you don't necessarily see from the, from the older Bonds. But uh, Absolutely agree. Definitely good yeah. ones. So let's talk a little bit about your fitness. I know, you know, marathon running was a huge change for you going yes. from not, never running a mile to marathon running. So what, yes. you know, what really pushed you over the edge to pursue that? And how does fitness today play a role in your mindset versus, you know, maybe your mindset from the past? 
So this is going to sound very deep, and I don't know if the audience will agree with me 100%, but this is me. This is real. This is raw. This is authentic. When I started running, I was so gravitated by the fact that, for me, in my opinion, running was all mental. I shouldn't say all. I should say at least 90% mental. And what I mean by that is as follows. For the most part, anybody, God willing, could run. They could put one foot in front of the other. But it's that voice in your head, just like in life, that you have to deal with. It says, Craig, you've already ran five miles. Take a break. Or Craig, I know it's a marathon, but you're at mile 18. You're good. Forget about it. You, you know what I'm saying? You have to beat that voice in your head. You have to begin to own the voice so the voice doesn't own you. And for me, running was such a metaphor. And I utilized that because I wasn't the most athletic kid growing up. But when I started running, I said, wow, I, I could do this. I could control that voice in my head. I can get better. And in a very short amount of time, I went from not being able to run a mile to run four marathons. And then last year in November, the last race before they all got canceled in Philadelphia, I ran a personal best of three hours and 39 minutes, which for the average marathoner That's is pretty fast. Pretty yeah, it's pretty incredible. And pretty I, I was proud good. of that accomplishment. I appreciate you saying that. And when the marathons start to open up again, and they are a little bit now, but I still have a big moonshot in my mind to qualify for Boston, which means I have to do so in a certain time. So, you know, fitness has always been a big role in my life. I always worked out. But the running took it to another level because it really challenged me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I love that. And I embody that challenge with, what, with how I operate my life. When you were talking about anchoring, I think I, what you're describing with running and battling that internal voice, to me, it's, it's very similar to how you respond to stressful situations or how you respond to any situation in life. Can, you know, you got that internal self-talk and that, you know, that's really what mindset is. I think it's training your internal self-talk. So when those things happen to you, you go to the right place instead of spiraling down into this hopeless stress place that many people, you know, we've just ingrained and trained our mindset over years to go to these places and you really got to break that. How do you, how do you start to break that down with people in, in is, is fitness or, or practicing something like running? That's, you know, an example of that, a real key to doing that. Or, you know, what, what are your keys to really begin breaking down that mindset and training that internal self-talk with people? So I don't think that fitness is a prerequisite to get your mind right in life, but I would certainly recommend to anyone that can utilize fitness in their daily routine to absolutely do it because it's not just good to keep you in physical shape, but it's just as good as it is mentally challenging and stimulating. For me, I think that like you just said, in terms of anchoring, you know, what people deal with a lot is like you pretty much just said, once you get into that, that voice in your head or, or negative space in life it's very difficult to stiff arm it and, and continue going like for me for example when i'm running and i get that voice in my head i don't cut it off i've learned to let it speak let it tell me craig you're tired just you know calm down you're good now when it's done i tell it to absolutely beat it i stiff arm it and then i let my craig stunt devil just take the gunfire and then i just continue going this way and I think with life, it's very similar. Like you said, anchoring. We're all going to get times that arise that you're just in a little bit of a lowered state. Something emotional happens. Life can be unpredictable. We all know that. But the reality is, is you have tools at your disposal, like modeling, like anchoring, where you can bring a state that you know has been successful for you and bring it to the present and it'll overcome your current negative state. I know this sounds very deep and it is, 
But if you really want to make big changes in your life, you have to do so at a very deep level. If you have something that really stuck out to you in life, a great moment, maybe the day you got married, maybe the day you finished the marathon, maybe the day you started a business, whatever the case may be, you really embody that. You remember how it felt, all the feels at that time, and you bring it to your present, you're going to immediately feel a little bit elevated. And you can do this. You have it at your disposal anytime something negative gets thrown at you. And the key is to make sure that this is lasting. Look, like I always say to my clients, I know it's scary to step out of your comfort zone and start doing new things, pursuing your passion and so forth. The only thing more terrifying than that is staying the course, waking up six months later, God forbid, six years and realizing that you're still going down the same lane. You're still waking up every day with no passion and not excited. That's the only thing worse. So for me, it's a no brainer. I love that. I absolutely love that. Greg, what what was that, you know, you talk about sort of this wake up turning point in your life. Was there a catalyst there? And did you have mentors that you rely on to this day or, or have been relying on that really kind of helped you when you made that transition over? So, you know, it's not the sexiest answer. And I've been asked this a lot lately, but in terms of having it doesn't mentors, have to be sexy, Craig. <laughs> in terms of mentors, when I was coming up on Wall Street, I had an NLP mentor who taught me how to rebuild and revamp my mindset, essentially alter my map of the world so that where I once saw limitations, now I see opportunity. And I worked with him for a couple of years. But ever since then, you know, I don't have business coaches left and right that I hire. It's not that I'm against it. I, I'm a big believer in every coach should have a coach. For me, I use the world as my playground. I have about six journals on my dining room table. I'm always journaling. I get things from everything. I get messages from movies, from athletes, from a song, from documentaries, from anywhere. And I journal it. And that for me is what I call sharpening the ax. That's been my mentor. What are your journals? I was just having a conversation on one of my previous episodes with a good friend of mine, Ann Littman, and she keeps four journals. And I was super, I was super loving this idea because I, I journal kind of, you know, but the concept that she described really cool in a cool way was you have to produce more than you allow to consume you. And so like when it comes to writing, when it comes to journaling, when it comes to creating content, you know, I really resonated with that. Like, you know, don't let the outside consume you. You got to be a producer. You got to create an environment. You got to create a culture. You got to create your mindset. You can't let other things create it for you. But I love the idea of using journaling as a really a tool to frame your mindset. So what are your journals? What are your six journals? Well, I can't tell you all of them, right? No, I'm well, kidding. So, so, I'm just so curious. Do you, have, do you have big categories that you like? <laughs> no, it's a great question. And here's the answer, Phil. One of them is designed to just fitness. I track my workouts every single day. I'm very disciplined and structured with that. That's not really the one for sharpening. That just keeps me organized. One of my books is strictly NLP. One of them is all about the law of attraction. One of them is all about Kabbalah. I studied that for a little while and got some things out of that. Another one is just notes from different books such as the 48 Laws of Power, Think and Grow Rich, stuff like that. So instead of having to reread a whole book, you go in and you just see the notes that were most important to you. And depending upon the day or the mood or the state that I'm in, you know, I'll pick up a different journal, but I'm, I'm always writing in them. It's like you just said, you know, always be the producer, always be in control. We can't control everything that happens to us in life, but what you can control, and once you do master this, your whole life will be different from here on out. You can alter your map. You can, you can figure out what you want to give attention to, where you want to go, what you perceive to be possible for you. And a lot of people, their map of the world only goes so far, so they can only accomplish so much. When you expand that and you allow yourself to really believe 
that you deserve everything you desire, then everything changes for you. Yeah. I, I love those, man. Love those. I like the book notes. I have a very similar book notes one. That's which it's, one? It's, it's, uh, well, so it's my, it's my running email to myself and my conversation with myself of, you know, ideas from books, ideas from content, podcasts, anything I'm listening to. I almost feel like a stand up comedian, you know, writing down ideas for jokes is, is how I like to describe it. But, you know, you got <laughs> to write that stuff down, right? And then, and then you frame it and you form it and you put your thoughts together. And, and um, I'm curious if you, you know, have you written any books? Are you thinking about a book at some point or any other content like that? I've actually been approached to do a book by two different people already. Um, it's not being done as we speak. But yes, at some point, it's definitely one of the lanes in the 10 lane highway that I'm coming at the world with soon. Stay tuned. How about you? So my journey actually started as an idea for a book. And then I knew that I needed to do more research and study leadership more and really just get better. And, and, uh, you know, that's been part of my journey is, is really just getting better and building reputation before really pursuing sharing my thoughts broadly in, in a book form. But, you know, right now it's all about bringing people value and helping them grow. And, and that's what GLE is all about. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love that about you. Yeah, man, for sure. I love that. You don't. I just want to say for the audience, I love that you don't have an ego. You're all about learning and cultivating as much knowledge as you can so that you can then serve and provide it back and help people. And it's great. I definitely find that relatable. Yeah, I love that, Craig. I appreciate that. And, you know, ego is a funny thing because um, it's very easy, especially when you're like, you know, someone like yourself, you're very confident, very outspoken. You know, you, you, you speak, you got <laughs> high energy, you know, and you're not, yes. you know, you've, you've had some success in your life, right? And it's very easy to look at someone like that that's putting themselves out there, making content, sharing themselves with the world and think, man, look at that egotistical guy. He's all about himself. And, you know, lots of people face that. But, you know, sure. I, I know, you know, we, we know we're not like that. We know we have our, our real, you know, you talked about uh, motivation being temporary in one of your videos. So I, yes. I use the word motivation, but, you know, it's really that mindset. It's, it's what's your why, what's driving you. And, uh, you know, t- talk about motivation being temporary because I like that. Talk a little bit about what, what you mean by motivation is temporary. So I dropped a, a special video last week for the audience that it was professionally done. Uh, as opposed to one of the, the raw ones I put out with all the post-production stuff. And, and in it, it says that it says motivation and inspiration are temporary. And what I mean by that is this, Phil, we can read an inspirational book. You can watch a motivational video on YouTube. You can do certain things, get up and go work out or have one good day. But at some point, motivation is short-lived. What lasts forever is revamping your mindset on where you want to go and what you see possible for you. For example, a guy like you, who I have a ton of respect for, you're following your passion right now and your purpose and you're on fire, you're motivated, you're driven. And although you may wake up on certain days and maybe you won't be at a 10 out of 10 in state, ultimately you're going forward and you're following your dreams. But the reality is, is if you're doing something that you're not passionate about, like I was with my last business, I can get myself, as I like to say, junked up for a day, get excited and, you know, really be as productive as I can be. But ultimately, I'm going to have to continue to do that every day because I wasn't passionate about really what I was doing. And it's sad, but it's also groundbreaking stuff because for anyone that's listening out there, you don't have to stay stuck. Life is too short, not to sound cliche, but if the pandemic taught us anything, it's just how unpredictable life is. 
the best thing that you can do is find what you absolutely love and then make it your life. And when you do find that passion, you won't need to give yourself access motivation every single day because you're going to be legitimately excited about waking up every day to pursue your passion and your purpose. And that's what I mean by that when I say that those type of things are temporary. I absolutely love that. I recently read a, a classic Dale Carnegie book called uh, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Have you heard of this book? Um, not that one specifically, but obviously I'm a big Dale fan. Yeah, he's got the, the How to Win Friends and Influence People, the all-time yeah, classic, right? And, uh, but in this book, he talks about exactly at that point that, that – and he, and he tells the story of these people that went on this hiking trip, and there were these old men, you know – not as fit as these younger individuals that were going on the trip and they get back from this long hike and this long journey. And the, the younger guys weren't that into it. And the, and the younger guys were just dog tired and just absolutely beat after this hike. And they just went right to bed. They skipped dinner. They didn't even want to eat. And the older guys that were really excited about the hike and wanted to go on it, they're eating dinner. They're still talking about it. You know, they still have energy even after this long hike and, you know, what you just described to me, having to build up that motivation every day, having to almost create energy, you know, it's like false energy almost, you know, it's, uh, you almost feel hypocritical if you're, not, if you're not passionate about something and you can do it, like you said, and lots of people do do it. And, you know, I don't necessarily think there's anything per se wrong with it, but if there is something that you can pursue that you really love, you know, what's holding you back from doing that? And then every day you get up, you know, you're, you're looking forward to it. You hit the ground running. I, my, my example is golf. I love playing golf. I'm a terrible golfer, but <laughs> I, can, I can get up at 5 a.m. to go play some golf without even thinking about it, right? Like, doesn't even, yeah. it's not even hard to jump. I'm jumping out of bed. I'm throwing clothes on, right? But, you know, some people, you know, you're going to struggle to get out of bed for work or whatever. But, you know, I, I love that example you gave about really your energy levels and being able to, overcome that with pursuing your passion, pursuing something you're really all about, right? And you know what, just to touch on that for a second, Phil, here's the reality about life. You can fail at something you don't like, right? You might as well fail at something you do like, and here's the kicker, maybe you'll fly. So we can, we're always going to have obstacles and setbacks and things that basically don't give us a guarantee of success. So with that being said, you might as well take a shot at life and really find what gets you excited and what you're passionate about, and you'll do a better job at it. You won't have to do access energy and so forth like you just discussed. And that story that you just shared with us is great, and that's exactly what I'm talking about with this. Very, I definitely find that relatable. I love that quote. You could fail at something you don't like. You might as well fail at something you do like, and maybe you'll fly. You know? Who knows? I love That's it. That's the thing. What we're going to do is put together a strategy. I absolutely love it. So you've been successful in business. What is your, you know, obviously you've been doing NLP, but what, what's your approach to taking risks? Because a lot of people that are slow to maybe pursue business opportunities do it because they have some, you know, maybe it's a irrational or maybe not fear of something that might happen or, or failing at it. And, and lots of businesses do fail. So how, how do you take risks and how do you approach risk taking from, you know, pursuing starting your businesses. Clearly you've had some success, you know, was that something that was taught or ingrained? Have you always been an entrepreneurial personality? How'd, how'd you really begin taking those risks? So I think that I always had a creative personality and there was some entrepreneurial spirit in me, but I never necessarily, you know, 
I didn't get out of college and say, oh, I, want, I want to start this and so forth. But I had these juices flowing. And this is what I do. And this is what I teach my clients in my program. One of the ways that I have been able to strategize on how someone could take a risk or aim for a big moonshot, which is the name of my program. And that's basically what I teach is how to get out of your comfort zone and really find what drives you. I have a very specific strategy for this. And what I do is this. I put together three chairs in a room. And the first chair is your childlike self. You think big. You say, what is the, the riskiest, most fun, coolest thing that I could possibly do? I'm like almost like a small, like a small child perspective. Think big, right? Then you go into the second chair, which is the critic. And then for the first time in your life, you get an opportunity to absolutely shred yourself to smithereens. Basically say, well, Phil, this isn't going to work because of this. Who are you? You're an imposter. You don't have a testimony. Who's going to listen to you? Then you go into the third seat and now you become the realist. And then from that frame, now you say this, the dreamer wanted to do this. The critic said it wouldn't work because of these objections. Here's how we could actually make it work. And then we put together that strategy and it's all systems go. And the reason why this has been so effective is because it enables you to pick a target, a very, you know, big, bold, maybe risky target, but then most importantly, it enables you to work backwards, actually put together the very strategic plan, how to organize the steps necessary to conquer this big moonshot. Very cool. I like the metaphor of actually switching chairs. You know, you're, you're sort of becoming different people with these different mindsets. So I really like that. Walt Disney himself did something very similar to this when he started Disney and the theme parks and the cartoon characters. And I studied this in NLP and obviously I put a little CLS flair on it, but it's a very effective strategy. He used something different instead of chairs. He was in a room of walls and he like painted a wall, a different color, whatever the case may be, the, the vision and the whole point of the story is extremely effective for anyone out there that wants to do something big, but they're not sure necessarily what steps to take. It's a very effective strategy. So you mentioned earlier about talking to God at that point in your life and, and really having some time. I think it was during COVID is, is where you said you, you reached out and I'm just curious. I'm a faith a person of faith, you know, I'm curious know you how your, I'm curious how your faith plays a role in your life. And I know you mentioned Kabbalah too, which was interesting. And then, you know, I was just curious if, if that's tied to your faith or, or what, what your faith background and how, how does it play a role in you and what you're doing as a leader? So for me, Kabbalah is more of a technology than a religion. It's something that I just studied kind of like NLP and got things out of. I happen to be Jewish, um, a very close relationship with God, and it's gotten much closer over the years. But I'll say this, you know, being on Wall Street, being in New York City, Manhattan is very busy. It's always go, go, go. The pandemic provided me an opportunity to take a step back and really get clear in my thoughts and my conversations and really have the stars align. And it was at that moment where I got a tremendous amount of clarity, more clarity than I've ever had in my life. And like I said earlier, it was like, of course, you always wanted to help people. You always had an ability to communicate and help people elevate their lives. And then I put together a strategy. And so the answer to your question is, is that the pandemic provided me a little bit extra time where I could really dig deep and utilize that time most effectively by speaking to God. And, you know, I know this is going to sound very spiritual, but like I said, I know if anyone's going to respect it, it's going to be you. And the stars just kind of aligned in terms of beginning CLS and we went from there. Very cool. Very cool. How was your mentality when you took those strides and, you know, what, what's the toughest sort of moment in your life where you really were dealing with self-doubt maybe or, 
you know, maybe you were thinking about a business opportunity. Maybe you were stressed out in, in corporate or, I don't, you know, I don't know. It seems like early on with this NLP training, you, you really were taught some really great things that you've kind of carried with you and built upon. But, you know, was there a moment in your life where you really, you know, felt down and low and, and how did you kind of overcome that moment? Yes, absolutely. And the exact answer is this. When I left Wall Street and, you know, dealing with stocks and all that type of stuff, and I pivoted and went into this new business because it was a lot less stressful, I wasn't satisfied. In fact, I was very unfulfilled. And, you know, at that time, for me, I was in a new career. I thought Wall Street was it for me. I thought that was going to be a 30-year career, this, that, and the other thing. I was, in, I was doing something different that I didn't love. Um, I was dealing with some personal issues with my family and so forth. And it was just, it was that moment for me where like the walls were kind of caving in and, you know, I felt really down for me. Who's a very, I'm a very positive cat in case you couldn't notice. I do. I picked up on that, Craig. (laughs) I'm very optimistic and I always look to see the glass half full and I always try to be rational and put together strategy. But at that moment when I had switched from Wall Street to the new business, some other stuff going on, I just got out of a relationship and so forth. I wasn't happy and I wasn't waking up excited. And I'll even say this, I don't think I've ever said this before. I was waking up with a state like, oh, another day instead of, oh, thank God, another day. I'm so grateful. I was in a little bit of a funk and it was at that moment where I kind of turned to running and, and that started to challenge me. And it gave me an opportunity to, you know, beat that voice in the head, so to speak. And thankfully, you know, this, these times didn't last very long. And I think that's because of all the mindset training that I have. And, and then ultimately the running into here we are now starting CLS. And so to answer your question, it was at that time where I didn't, I wasn't sure about what I was doing because I felt my intuition, which I believe a lot in and my gut that I wasn't doing something that fulfilled me. And that's a scary place to be. I appreciate you sharing that. It is a scary place to be. I, your statements reminded me, I, I listened to a podcast by a guy named Brad Lee, L-E-A, like T. I don't know if you've heard of him, um, but he talks a lot about choosing happiness. And I got this sign in here. It says, happiness is not a destination. It's a way of life. And Love that. You know, I really think happiness is a, is a choice, right? You can choose to be happy in all sorts of situations. And another thing he talks about that, that uh, you sparked is he talks about the million dollar day. And it's basically, you know, if you had a choice every morning, like, hey, I could give you a million dollars, but you're not going to live another day, or you can choose to wake up tomorrow, what would you choose? Well, you're going to, yeah, you're going to choose to wake up tomorrow, right? So it's like, it's like, what, you know, if you got something every day that's worth more to you than a million dollars, then what, you know, why are you not wanting to go seize the, the day and, and take full right. advantage of it? I just love that. My, I love that mindset. And you, uh, you have the same mindset. You were sharing the same thing. It, it really just kind of sparked that uh, and made me remember what he, he shares about that. But, you know, I absolutely I, love that, man. I got to be honest with you. I never really articulated that story as well as I just did right here tonight with you because I never really used the word scary or terrifying, but now that I put myself back in that state for a second, because I know it's only going to be temporary, I, it was a scary place to be in because I was waking up every day. And although I was manufacturing wealth for myself and my family, because I own a business, I wasn't fulfilled. And I felt like I was wasting like my life in, in some aspect because I felt like I was put here with a higher purpose or, or to be able to do something a little bit more you know, gratifying or be able to help people something, leave a mark on the world. And I was, it was a little bit of a scary time. And for the audience that's listening, 
you know, not everyone is going to feel the same way when you're in a situation like that. But I will say this, if you have a, an opportunity to find what you absolutely love to do in life and potentially make it a reality, take that shot. I absolutely love that. It sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that we're called to do certain things and, you know, we, we have different callings in life, vocations. You, you're a father, you're a son, you're a brother, you're whatever. Right. But I think, I think they go to every, everything you do, whatever this, your job, whether it's your business, you're starting, you know, we, we are called to do certain things and GLE is all about just arming people with the tools and the mindset to lead effectively in whatever they're called to do. And even give them the tools to maybe figure that out. Cause I think lots of people, you know, they, and like me, my, my dad, and, and I'm not meaning this in a negative way, but my dad, civil engineer worked in energy. My brother was a civil engineer that worked in energy. I ended up being a civil engineer that worked in energy. And, you know, you're really the product of the, the five people closest to you. And, uh, you know, without getting around other people, without experiencing new things, without being around other mindsets, you're just going to adopt the mindset you're around. And uh, absolutely love that you shared that. And just, just to add to that, energy is so contagious. So I agree with you 100%. And the answer to that riddle is choose very wisely who you surround yourself with. Because like you just said, you're going to be the sum of all those five people, whatever the case may be. So don't ever be the smartest person in the room, they say, right? Always want to be in a room where you have room for growth. I absolutely, that, if I had a bomb to drop, Bradley, <laughs> I would drop it. That's a knowledge bomb right there. <laughs> Too many times we have accidental association and not purposeful, deliberate association. We're just, we end up around whoever we're around and, and those are our friends and, and we don't choose our association and really being purposeful and mindful of who you choose to spend time on and energy on is huge. Absolutely, absolutely. huge. So and that's one Craig, of the reasons why I like to surround myself with you tonight. Hell yeah, brother. I'm glad you did. I'm glad we could, we could do this. It's been super fun. So let people know what you're up to and where they can find you, my friend. Great question. So where I hang out the most, I would say is on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS YouTube channel with all my content, Craig Siegel website, cultivate lasting symphony.com. And my personal favorite, the CLS experience podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts, season one dropping very soon probably the first week of december very cool brother very cool well make sure you go follow craig go check out what he's doing i just watched his most recent video that production quality video super cool stuff love to see it and uh keep doing your thing craig it's been fun i appreciate my friend thank you so much If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go Lead Everything.